What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Rico, and I am your host. I am also the lead fantasy baseball analyst over at Sports Ethos, and you guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O 99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to my shows, different threads, other thoughts, random other things posted throughout the day. So go ahead, hit the follow button there. And while we've got you, I'd really appreciate you guys leaving a five-star review on the podcast. Haven't seen so many of you guys go ahead and do it yet. We've got, between Canada and the U.S., maybe 25 or so reviews. I'd hope to see that number. Hopefully, we'll see it jump to close to 50 by the end of June, I would hope. Uh, last day of May today, so we're going to be jumping into June tomorrow. Uh, hope to see those review numbers start to go up a little bit. I've been a little bit disappointed in uh, in not seeing them grow, so go ahead and hit the five-star button there. It was a really easy way for you guys to help out the show and help us grow here. Going to be looking back on yesterday, talking about some of uh, yesterday's big performers. I'll talk about how a couple of the players in my article from the weekend fared uh, yesterday. One very good, one not so good. We'll also look ahead to a couple of today's matchups and then, of course, dive into the waiver wire. Why don't we start with Framber Valdez? He went nine innings through a complete game in Oakland, striking out seven, giving up just one earned run, walking three, and striking out two. Valdez has been one of my favorite pitchers of the last couple of years, and to this point of the year, he's been definitely, definitely one of the more valuable guys that you could have drafted, especially when you're factoring in draft position because you didn't spend a terribly high pick on him, and to this point of the season, he's returning uh, a top 100 value through a two-hitter yesterday. Fantastic stuff out of Valdez. I know some people were a little bit worried. Uh, there was a couple of starts that were a little bit shaky early on, specifically the one against the Angels at the uh, middle end of April there. But he has really settled down. He's going to be one of the top producers in wins and in ERA, uh, in the American League at least. And even if you're looking across Major League Baseball, I think he's a top 20 or so starting pitcher rest of the season. So great stuff out of Valdez there. Logan Webb had a great start as well. He went eight innings, giving up four hits, three earned runs, and striking out 10. He touched 100 pitches for the first time on the season. And I think it, maybe not, uh, probably his best start of the season. You could maybe argue his second start of the year against San Diego was maybe a little bit better, but this is pretty good. The first time he's reached double-digit strikeouts and triple-digit pitches, He's going up against a good team in Philadelphia. I mean, not a great team to this point of the season, but they got a lot of powerful bats in that lineup, and it's a very small ballpark in Philadelphia. So it was a great job from him, limiting them to three runs over eight innings. He's already rostered in a lot of leagues, so there's in pretty much every league, so there's not a move to be made there. <clears throat> Just wanted to touch on him because he did a great job. Uh, Ryan Feltner, we'll talk about Ryan Feltner for a second here. Never someone who's had a ton of success in the minor leagues. His, his ERA in the minor leagues is 368, which is not bad. Uh, he spent four years down there, I think. Uh, he's 25 years old. And he had a really, really solid start yesterday against the Marlins. He went seven innings, gave up four hits, just one earned run, uh, walked one, and struck out six. Great stuff out of him, especially because considering it came at Coors Field, where we don't really expect to see anybody ever have a good outing, but specifically someone who is not on your radar to begin with. If you see a good Coors Field outing, it's usually out of someone who is <clears throat> pretty established pitcher already. Uh, Feltner is definitely not established, <clears throat> but he did have a great outing here, and I doubt that he was really used by anybody. But he has been added in a couple of leagues today. Uh, the roster percentage for him is literally 1%, so there were a few people that went and added him today. They're just not that much upside, right, especially considering he pitches in Colorado. I'm not sure how long he's going to be staying up for. He's, he's fine uh, as maybe 
maybe a road streamer going forward. And I know that he did well at home here, but that's just not something we can really rely on going forward. So if there's a right matchup on the road, maybe we take a look uh, going forward. He's not going to be someone that I'm going to be adding in any leagues right now. But there might be the odd decent streaming opportunity going forward. So we'll keep an eye on him. We'll see if there's any maybe nice matchups against poor teams. But I'm not, I'm not going to be too interested there uh, as a whole. Not, not, a, not a terrible option, but no one, not one person needs to go and add him right now. Uh, we'll, we'll see, based on matchups going forward, if he'll have any kind of value at all. Let's talk a little bit about Ryan Mountcastle. I have a lot of Ryan Mountcastle shares, and I've been pretty happy what he's done to this point in the season. He's batting two sixty eight, six homers, 20 driven in. He drove in a run, or sorry, he hit a home run yesterday. He drove in just the one, but he scored four times on four hits. Uh, definitely one of the top performers from yesterday. And I think that'll segue into, uh, I'll start talking about a couple of the pitchers that I recommended on the weekend. We had a big, a big hit, and we had a big miss. So let's start with the miss. Uh, Rich Hill. Rich Hill was one of the guys in my article who I talked about as being a very viable streamer for this week because of the two starts. Um, and it, so far, it has not looked great. So he, he got the Orioles, and he's going to get the Athletics. But yesterday, uh, he went four innings, gave up seven hits, six earned runs. He did strike out five, but walked a couple and gave up a couple of home runs as well. Five strikeouts from him is certainly nice, but that's pretty much where the good news ends. Uh, tough outing against the Orioles. You'd figure he would have done quite a bit better. But like I said, Mountcastle had a great game. Uh, Anthony Santander did as well. And Ramon Urias as well uh, had a really good game there. So the Orioles offense had it going. They scored 10 runs. Not something that you can really plan on, the Orioles offense scoring 10 runs. <clears throat> they're pretty anemic. They don't score a whole bunch. It's not really to be expected of them that they're going to score a whole lot because of the division they're in. But, yeah, they're tied for 25th in runs in the major leagues. Uh, 3.8 runs a game they score. Very, very disappointing outing from Rich Hill there. So I'm sorry for you guys who added him. I did add him in a couple leagues, and I was burned as well. So, no, you're not alone if you added Rich Hill. Let's talk a little bit about the good. Uh, Aaron Ashby was another piece. He was the priority ad from that piece. Uh, he went six innings, five hits, one earned run. He struck out 12, and he got the victory here. Uh, he did walk a couple of guys and give up a home run, but overall, this was a really good outing from Aaron Ashby. He is someone who's going to have value going forward. I have no question about that. He will be in the rotation for as long as Peralta is out, especially when he keeps throwing like this. The strikeouts definitely weren't expecting 12 strikeouts out of him, but you'll take it, right? You're usually going to probably be good for five to seven strikeouts from him, given the length of outing. You're going to probably see a lot of five, six-inning performances with five to seven strikeouts. So 12 strikeouts, uh, take it to the bank this week. It's great that he has a second start coming up, too, to, to add even further onto that. He will face the Padres, uh, I believe, on Saturday. And, yes, that's not as good of an outing or not as good of an opponent as the Cubs are in terms of uh, advantageous matchup there. But we're still looking at uh, a solid, solid option and someone who I'm going to be starting in all leagues. I hit one for two on those guys yesterday. And honestly, going forward, if I can hit on two out of three of my um, of my two-start pitchers that I highlight going forward, I'll consider that to be a success. Last week, we hit on, I mean, there was only really two of them because Montgomery got pushed back. They called up the guy. I forget his name. The guy, the Yankees, uh, had the spot start there. But Montgomery's start got pushed back. He's actually starting today, so he didn't have the two starts. The other two guys had, uh, it was a bit of a mixed bag. Cobb had kind of so-so. Uh, First start wasn't great. Second start was a lot better. 
And then Tyler Anderson was the second part there. He, he was fantastic. So if I can hit that same kind of ratio. And then Jordan Montgomery, obviously, he was hit the one start. He was pretty good. The second start, we won't factor that in because obviously different week. If I can hit on two out of three of these starters going forward, then I'll be very happy about that. Uh, you know, if you're using a couple of ads at the beginning of the week and you pick up a couple of two-start guys, if one works out, if one doesn't, then it's still usually going to work in your favor because even when they don't work out, they're still adding some strikeouts into the counting stats. You still got a chance for a victory. Even if it's not the greatest of outings, you still have a chance for a victory. So we're going to hope for three out of three, obviously. We'll hope to hit on three out of three of them, but I think a realistic goal is if we hit on two out of three of our streaming targets for the week, most of the time you're going to be okay. We will look back at the end of the week, or more likely uh, the beginning of next week, to see exactly how we fared on those streaming uh, suggestions. But I think I think so far we've done pretty okay. Uh, we'll see what happens with Cal Quantrill tonight, because he is the third name there that I had mentioned in my piece. I think Cal Quantrill has a good chance to have success. He was closer to the Rich Hill line of thinking for me of, it's a great matchup, so I'm going to add him because he's got couple of good matchups this week so that was the main reason behind uh behind putting Quantrill and Hill into those articles they're not great pitchers uh they're fine they're fine options I mean Quantrill's traditional numbers are pretty good but if you dig in they're not so great similarly with Hill it's a matchup thing and sometimes they don't work out I'm still very surprised that the Orioles scored 10 runs I think that that's I don't know it's shitty luck it doesn't happen very often and we pick up the pieces, we move on here. Any analyst, and I want to maybe just touch on this briefly, every analyst who gives you suggestions, they're going to be wrong every day about something. And it's just a matter of having the confidence to pick up the pieces and the next day <clears throat> go through it again and know that you're going to get hurt every single day in terms of one of your predictions because it's just impossible. If we could predict the future, uh, we'd be in a much more lucrative line of business than fantasy baseball. So we do our best, we look at the numbers, we see what's what the numbers are telling us and what history has told us with regards to players and teams and matchups. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So uh, I hope you guys don't get too upset if, if some of my takes don't work out. If you look back throughout the course of the year, we're hitting on more takes than we're losing on. I'd say if you go back and look at my old threads and you try and like, keep score of who's worked and who's worked and who's worked out and who has not worked out, I should say, I think more often than not, we have been right. Uh, Like I said, I mentioned it, I don't know if it was yesterday or on last week's show, but at one point we will do a a good, bad, and ugly show, the the good, the bad, and the ugly show, where we talk about the predictions that worked out, the ones that didn't work out, and maybe some ones that were really, really bad. So we will do that probably around the All-Star break, I'm thinking either mid-season or maybe we'll wait till the end of the season because even by mid-season, you, there's still some guys you don't have a full picture on. By the end of the season, standings look quite a bit different or at least fantasy rankings look quite a bit different than what we're talking about at the All-Star break. Look, Yusei Kikuchi was an All-Star last year and then really fell off in the second half. So yeah. just the first example that came to my head. <clears throat> but you do see those kind of things happen. So maybe we'll wait till the end of the season. We'll look back at all the Twitter threads every day's uh, most added player segment on Twitter. And then we'll see how right we were. And we'll listen back to some of our preseason shows as well. And we'll get some people who were on the show early on in the season with some of their predictions. And we'll talk about how they worked out. So hopefully we'll get Ryan Bloomfield on again. We'll talk about some of his stuff. Uh, He was our first guest, and he was the only guest we had on in the preseason uh, because this show started at the end of March. 
Ryan was our first guest, and he came on, I think, the day before the season or two days before the season, and we threw a bunch of names out there of guys to draft, guys to avoid. So we'll, we'll hopefully get Ryan on again at some point to talk about uh, how those predictions worked out because when he was on there, we was on for maybe half hour that day. We both threw a bunch of predictions out there, and so far some of them have worked out. Um, some of them have not been so great. We were both pretty big on Luke Voigt, and that one didn't work out so well. So we'll see. I'm not sure when exactly. Uh, I'll reach out to Ryan at some point. We'll get him back on the show. And that one, we won't wait till the end of the season. I will try and get Ryan on uh, before, before season's end to talk about some of those preseason predictions. Let's keep going with a couple of more uh, yesterday's biggest performers. Nolan Gorman went three for three, had a couple of base hits and a home run. He also drew a walk. And we talked about him on yesterday's show as being someone who is a must-roster player for me. Uh, I think that he needs to be in... Maybe not if you're in like a uh, one of those really shallow like eight team leagues, or if you guys play in like six team leagues. I'm not sure about that, but those kind of situations, okay, I'd be fine leaving him on the bench or leaving him on waiver wires. But through ten games, he's hit a couple of home runs. He's scored nine times. He's driven in seven, and he's also drew five walks. He's batting 387. Obviously, he's not going to bat 387 the whole year. But he is batting second for a very potent Cardinals lineup where he's protected by the likes of Arenado and Goldschmidt. I am not at all worried about picking him up. He's still available in some leagues. It's it's shrinking. The number is shrinking every single day. He's up to 66% rostered. It's honestly nowhere near as high as it should be as far as I see it. I see him as being someone who should be like 80-plus percent rostered, at least 80-plus percent. Uh, and going forward, we'll probably see more and more and more. But to the, at this point right now, he needs to be on rosters. Uh, Adley Rutschman has come up and been nowhere near as successful as Gorman, and he's rostered in 78% of leagues. So don't just look at the name value. Look at the actual production. Because Rutschman, yes, he's a bigger name than Gorman. He's been the top prospect. He was the first overall pick. People know who Adley Rutschman is. Nolan Gorman, people, I mean, people are starting to learn who he is, but there was no real name recognition in the redraft fantasy community going into the season, really. Uh, obviously, those dynasty players are, dig in more into the minor league the minor league prospects, and they know who's coming up before the average redraft, redraft player is. <clears throat> so there was some buzz about him, but he has really been, really been great, better than I, anybody could have anticipated. We've seen a lot of rookies come up and struggle, uh, specifically Jared Kalanick, who... I, I feel I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for the Mariners. The whole situation really sucks. I mean, thank God for them they got Julio. Because without Julio Rodriguez, it would make it uh, a lot darker. Or if Julio had came up and struggled, uh, you probably would have seen a lot of fans be very upset about that. The team hasn't done particularly great, but, I mean, you figure Julio, for the future anyway, you got Julio, you got hopefully Kalanick will turn it around. They got some other nice pieces there. They're not, they're not a great team, but uh, it's, really, it's really a shame for them and their fan base and for fantasy players, too, that uh, Jared Kalanick has not been successful. All that being said, it's just, it's just a, a reference point to show how happy I am about Nolan Gorman because Gorman, I added him before he was called up. He was on a couple of my NA slots, and he was very hot in the minors uh, earlier in the season. So that's why he was started to get on people's radar. But only 66% rostered. On, oh, this is Yahoo we're talking about, 66% rostered. That is, for me, it's pretty criminally low. So go ahead and scoop him up if you do uh, If you do still see him on waiver wires. I don't think it'll be too many waiver wires, 
But uh, if I'm checking, uh, I'm checking ESPN right now. He's rostered in 34% of ESPN leagues. He is available. He is available, and he has multiple position eligibility at least on ESP. Or sorry, at least on Yahoo, <clears throat> he's eligible at second and third on uh, ESPN and just at second. But second is much more thin position in fantasy than third. So we'll take it. We'll take that designation there on Yahoo in terms of a second baseman for Gorman. He needs to be rostered. End of story. He needs to be rostered. Let's briefly talk about Jordan Alvarez. He hit a couple of home runs yesterday, and obviously there's no move to be made here. Alvarez is on every roster, every single roster. But he hit a couple of absolute mammoths. He hit a 469-foot bomb, and then he followed that up with 444. He he was seeing the ball well yesterday. He's up to 14 home runs, 28 driven in. He's walked 24 times as well. He is going to be, I would imagine, a top 30 fantasy player going forward. But we won't spend too much time on him. Let's let's move on uh, to Mookie Betts. As much as I like Alvarez, there's not really too much to be said there. He's been good, but I just wanted to highlight those two home runs because 469 and 444, those are some serious, especially 469. That is a shot. I mean, both of them. Uh, and the second one was actually lefty-lefty, A.J. Puck. I think it's Puck. He... You guys know me. You guys who listen to the show know me. I, I can't pronounce names. Uh, I I don't know why. I'm just terrible at pronouncing names from different cultures. If it's an Italian name, I'm pretty good with it. I can usually figure out the Italian names. I come from an Italian background. I speak a little bit of Italian, so I can understand those names. Any other ethnicity, you can pretty much forget about it. It's not that I don't care or I just I, I just don't – I can't do it. I just There's something in my brain that will not compute – Sometimes Spanish I'm okay with because there's kind of a, some overlap there with Italian. Sometimes French. Sometimes there's also a little bit overlap. A lot of the time, man, I, might, I am just butchering names. So uh, apologies for anybody who maybe shares a name with any of these players or anything like that. I just, I'm just, I'm just shit at it. There's no other way to say it. I'm just, I just, I'm just bad. Italian names, we're we're pretty good. And when Vinny Pasquantino gets called up, you're not going to hear me mispronounce his name because that's a solid, easy Italian name. I mean, a lot of people have probably been very much baffled by that name. But I have a harder time pronouncing Puck, P-U-K. I think it's Puck. What else would it be, right? Puke? I guess it could be Puke because that would be unfortunate. I don't think it's Puke. I'm pretty sure it's Puck. Um, and that one I find, honestly, harder to pronounce than Pasquantino. It's just my culture, my upbringing. I'm just... I'm just shitty with other cultures' names. I'm sorry, guys. There is no offense intended. I just, I'm just bad with it. I'll work on it. I have worked on it a little bit, trying to listen to YouTube broadcasts, uh, little YouTube videos and stuff of players who I don't get to see very often, the random relievers' names, just to be a little bit more familiar with them. But there are still certainly a lot of names that I butcher. So apologies there. Uh, Let's let's go on to Mookie Betts. I, I teased Mookie, and then I, I went off on one of my tangents there. You guys, uh, you guys know me who listen to the show. Sometimes I'll break off on a tangent, and we'll go five or ten minutes and just talk about something else. So apologies for those of you who don't like that kind of stuff. That is just kind of the nature of my brain. It bounces around quite a bit. So that is the explanation for that. Let's talk about Mookie Betts. Probably, I know it changes quite a bit early on here uh, in terms of the awards candidates. But you got to figure Mookie is up there in terms of the NL MVP. I mean, it's got to be him, Goldschmidt, and Machado, I would think, right now. Hard to say who's been the best, but it's honestly hard to say that anybody has been better than Manny. I mean, I know there are a lot of St. Louis fans who will say that Goldschmidt has been the MVP. And 
Over the last month, Goldschmidt is batting over 400 for a month, which is ridiculous. Mookie is batting 355, and he's over the last two weeks batting 426, Mookie. So we're looking at absurd numbers wherever you turn here. 12 home runs in the month for Mookie, and I think he tied one of Jackie Robinson's records. I think it was 22 extra base hits in the span of a month. That's that's absurd. Uh, He's the number one ranked player for the season, the number one ranked player over the last month, and the number one ranked player over the last two weeks. He is the number two ranked player over the last week, with number one being Francisco Lindor. Uh, But overall we have seen the best version of Mookie Betts that we have that we've ever seen, I think. Now, we would like to see a few more steals out of Mookie, but he has come back from last year. Last year he had 10 steals the whole season. He's already up to 4. Now, I don't know that we're going to see 30 like we did see uh, in his MVP season, <clears throat> but in going even going back a couple of years before that, 26, 26, 21. I don't know that we're going to see him get quite to those numbers again. But I think we can see him get 15 to 20 steals, no problem. And steals are one of those categories where every little bit really bumps up your ranking. Steals and home runs. If you if you steal a base and hit a home run in the same game, you're uh, you're jumping up very much so in the rankings for the next day. You're going to probably jump 20, 30, 40 points, depending on where you are in in standings in terms of player rankings, and of course depending on format. Those are really valuable stuff. So if he is able to go and steal some more bases than he did last year, and of course the home runs, uh, he's already got 15. He only had 23 all of last year. He will balance, He will fly past that home run number, you'd have to think, and he'll fly past that 10 steals. So if we're talking a 30-30 season, it's possible. I'm thinking probably closer to 30-20. I see, them, I see him being a really, really strong candidate for MVP. As of right now, it's him. It's... Um, Goldschmidt and it's Machado, but I think I think he's got the lead just based on the last month. But we'll talk about Paul Goldschmidt for a split second here. The guy is unbelievable. Uh, he hit a home run again yesterday, and he's up to 11 home runs, 42 RBIs. He's got three steals and 352 batting average. Now the three steals, uh, a lot of people would probably say, okay, it's three steals. It's it's whatever. You have to remember, we're talking about a 34-year-old first baseman, though. So getting any steals out of your first base slot is always going to be valuable. Goldschmidt is a guy who, in his prime, was able to give you anywhere from 10 to 30 steals. He had a 32-steal season in 2016. when you know, That was when he was really, really at his peak with the Diamondbacks. And now we're seeing an even better version of Goldschmidt here. Hard to explain how he's done it, but he has been... Arguably the best player in baseball this year. Again, I know it's hard to argue against Mookie, and I'm sure St. Louis fans think it's Goldschmidt, and Dodgers fans will think it's Mookie. And then you got Padres fans who will think that it is Manny Machado, and we shouldn't leave out Manny Machado because he has been unreal to this point. He was just one for five yesterday. He drove in a run. But he's got eight homers, 28 driven in, seven steals, and he's batting three fifty three. Uh, you could flip a three-way coin here and pick one of them, and you're not really going to land on a bad option. So... Something that we're going to be keeping an eye on, and I will bring on uh, someone from the sports ethos wagering division at some point soon. And we'll revisit the uh, – well, we had Doug Reed on from sports ethos wagering. When was that? Maybe three weeks ago. And we talked about some division futures, and we talked about some different little bets. 
I'd like to get someone on uh, from Within Sports Ethos to talk about some MVP and Cy Young and awards betting. Let me know if that's something that you guys are interested in. I'm pretty interested in it. And I'd like to know where they stand on the whole MVP, um, especially in the NL. The NL MVP race very much intrigues me. I think in the AL, we're looking at Aaron Judge right now. In the NL, there's a couple more names there that are up for debate. So I'd like to know where they stand from a betting perspective on that. So we'll try and bring them on in the next week or two, and we'll talk about that. Let's talk about a couple of matchups I'm going to be keeping my eyes on today. And specifically, I'll be keeping an eye on my Blue Jays because they are my team after all. But we've also got, I think, the best pitching matchup from across baseball tonight. I don't think it's much of an argument. Um, Maybe Christian Javier and Frankie Montes is is a close one. But I don't think they are going to be quite reaching the same heights as Lucas Giolito and Kevin Gosman. That will be one that I'm keeping an eye on. 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time in Toronto. Uh, I'm expecting a good outing from both of them, really. Giolito, over his last couple outings, has been very good, uh, not giving up more than two earned runs. Not facing the highest level opponent. He did face the Red Sox and do well, but before that we're talking Kansas City, Cleveland, and the Cubs. So a little bit of a lighter schedule as of late. The Red Sox game, he did walk four batters, so we're going to be keeping an eye on his control here a little bit. And the strikeouts have been a little bit lower than we would have liked from Giolito. 7-7-5 these last three games. We'd like to see him closer to the 8 to 10 range, so we'll see if he can get back up there tonight. Hard to say with the Blue Jays lineup. Uh, day in, day out, it's really hard to know what you're going to get. They swept the Angels, but we've still seen quite a bit of struggling from the guys we don't expect to struggle. Vladimir Guerrero, Teoscar Hernandez. Boba Shed has turned it around a little bit, but still we'd like to see them be a lot better than, than they've been to this point. They have... They're really hot and cold, guys. Uh, They're really very much a wild card play at this point, the Blue Jays lineup. There are nights when they go completely crazy. Uh, We haven't seen too many of them, but we've seen flashes of it. And we know that between Springer and Guerrero and Bichette and Hernandez and Gurriel and Kirk and Chapman, those guys can really pick it up. And those guys can give you more than 10 runs on any given night. But they can also go out there and squeak two infield hits out and get blown out. So it's really hard to predict right now what the Jays are going to be doing for the immediate future because we haven't seen those batters perform the way that we know they can. I'm going to be playing Giolito tonight because I'm not too worried about his performance against Toronto. I think that for the most part, a better pitcher will be able to keep this lineup in check right now because they're really not at their best. So someone like Giolito, I'm not going to be worried about starting here. Gosman on the other side, also not going to be worried about him. Uh, He is... Maybe one of the Cy Young candidates in the American League, for sure. And we'll talk about that when we get uh, a betting, a more versed betting person on here at some point. We'll talk about all the award futures. And I think Gosman is going to be a popular play for Cy Young to this point, anyway. He's 4-3, and three, and I know the record shouldn't really play into that kind of conversation, but it does. Um, for whatever reason, Cy Young voters do look at record, even though it doesn't really tell you how good a pitcher's been. But Gosman has been... Pretty much as good as you can be. He's walked five batters in 56 innings, only given up one home run. The ERA is at 225. The whip is at 1.04. All of that to say, I think that he's going to do fine against the White Sox lineup. That's they can be very good, but again, they're kind of hit or miss. To this point in the season, they're the 27th ranked team in terms of putting runs up per game, 3.6. 22nd in batting average, 28th in on base, 26th in slugging. 
overall, they've they've underperformed. So I'm all right using Kevin Gosman here tonight. I, I, more than all right, I'm I'm suggesting it. Both of these pitchers, I think, are going to be very good options tonight. I'm going to suggest playing them both. I'm going to play them both in the leagues where I have them. And I'm going to be sitting on the couch at 7.07 with a beer in hand uh, enjoying this game. So that is the first one we're going to be keeping an eye on. Second one to keep an eye on for me, I mentioned it earlier there, is Christian Javier and Frankie Montes. They'll be taking on each other in Oakland. The Athletics have been not great, and I think that's what we all expected after they got rid of literally pretty much everybody. If you look at their lineup numbers, they are like the 30th ranked offense in pretty much everything. Uh, so they're 30th in hits, 30th in average, 30th in on base, 30th in OPS. They're 28th in runs, 28th in home runs, 29th in slugging. They're fourth in stolen bases. They can steal bases for you. But other than that, they are a piss poor offense. So no problem about Christian Javier tonight. Frankie Montes, a little bit more worried about because it's the Astros. But we've seen him be really, really fantastic. And the Astros have not quite been up to par either in terms of their offensive production. So when you mix together Montes's, I'm not going to say ascension because he's been good for a little while, but his really good start mixed with the Astros kind of okay offense. I mean, they're 20th in runs, 25th in hits, 25th in average. They're not great this year. They, they can be great, similarly to the Blue Jays, but they haven't been great. So I think Montes is a great play. This is another one that I'm going to be glued to. And I'm glad that they start a couple hours apart, so I'll be able to sit through both of them. Those are the main ones we're going to be keeping an eye on here. There's not too many great streaming options today. I would suggest saving your ads for later in the week because looking at it today, if you're picking up Quantrill, yes, Quantrill would be good for those two starts. And Smelter, uh, Devin Smelter, who's going to be starting pretty soon. So if you're in leagues where there's no waivers and you just can just pick up a guy and you see Smelter sitting there, I'm all right using him today against the Tigers, but a lot of leagues, by the time you guys hear this, it's probably going to be a little bit too late to do anything about it. I think Smelter is a good play, but I don't think he's like you have to grab him or else you're going to miss out on something big. I think he's fine. He's due to regress, so I don't think it's a big deal missing out on him there. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about him because uh, he was one of the people I wrote up on Twitter this morning. So I'll go through my Twitter thread from this morning and talk a little bit about it. So Smelter's been great. Other than the strikeout numbers, he's striking out a pitiful 12.9% of, of batters. It sucks. At the league average is closer to 20%, 20 22%, I think. Uh, so 129 is terrible. He's letting a lot of balls get into play when a lot of pitchers would limit that contact, limit any contact. So that is certainly not good there, the strikeout number. Now, he's faced off against the Royals, and he did very well last time out, and he gets an even worse team here in the Tigers. So I, I would lean towards, if you have time when you after you've seen this, I'd lean towards adding him, but he's not going to be a long-term guy. His best case is probably a streamer for today. I mean, that's not the best case. His best case is he has sustained success, obviously. I think as much as you can really hope for if you're adding him for today or if you already did add him is that you'll see a decent outing today. Probably have to drop him <clears throat> in the next couple of weeks, though. That would be my guess, if not even sooner. Christopher Morell is the next guy we're going to talk about a little bit, and he's been really active on the base paths. He's been leading off for the Cubs, and he's attempted seven steals in his 13 games. Now, he's never, well, he was years and years ago stealing this many bases, but we've seen him kind of slow down a little bit. Uh, in 2017, when he was in the, uh, I think it was like a Dominican Summer League, yeah, he stole a lot of bases then. I think it was like 23 bases in 62 games or something. It was absurd how many bases he stole. 
We've seen him kind of slowly decline that number, and now that he's got to the major leagues, I suspect he's trying to find a way to fit in on the roster there, so he's stealing bases. He's also got some power pop. He's hit a couple of home runs, and he hit 18 home runs across AA and AAA last year. I like him, and I think that he's a strong add for those of you who need a little bit of a combo um, combo add there for a little bit of pop and a little bit of speed. I think he can do the trick. His roster percentage has gone up to 30. It was at 14 yesterday. Uh, so we, we've seen quite a jump. Or maybe it was two days ago it was at 14. I, don't, I wasn't so active yesterday. I was at a funeral yesterday. That's why there was not so much on the Twitter side. But I think it was, yeah, I think it was two days ago he was 14. So he's jumping up pretty quickly. He has the ability to steal and hit home runs. I think he's a solid ad going forward. He's also leading off for the Cubs. So even though we're not looking at a great team, we're looking at a great spot for production. And pretty much every leadoff hitter in the league is going to have pretty standard league value. Not everyone, but when you're looking at a guy who's stolen a base in four consecutive games, do I think that'll continue at that pace? No, but I think we should still be able to get some good production out of him. Last guy we'll talk about today is Kyle Farmer. And I wish that it was still last year and he had that catcher eligibility. He was eligible, I'm pretty sure, at every position last year. I, I Maybe not every single one, but he was eligible at catcher all across the infield, I think in the outfield. like He was seriously a Swiss Army Knife utility player last year. You could stick him anywhere. You could do anything with him. Now, the fact that he is only eligible at this point at third and short definitely takes away something there. If he was still eligible at catcher, he'd be a no-brainer, must-roster player rest of season. His roster percentage would be like 80%, but that's not the case. Uh, There's a lot more options at the shortstop and third base position. He's 19% rostered, and it's gone up 11% over the last week. So it's because he's been on a tear this last two weeks. He's 15 for his last 28, which is a 536 average, three homers, 10 uh, RBIs in that period, which is great. I understand adding him because, because of those numbers. But you also have to understand he plays on a poor offense. And, yes, they are a poor offense, despite the recent bit of surging they've done. They were 13-8 or something in their last 21 games. Great stuff. Uh, we can't expect that to continue. We can't expect him to continue batting at this pace. So if you are one of those people who I talked about last week with Cole Calhoun, if you like to ride the hot hand, then he is a decent hand to ride. He's been great, but I wouldn't expect uh, – you, you should be adding him and thinking, oh, I've got a new shortstop for the year, a third baseman. This is someone who you're going to squeeze into your utility slot most likely who will have some value. He'll play when you sit other players kind of thing. Right now he's a start, but I don't think that will continue for so long. Guys, that is going to do it for us today. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you guys read my article over the course of the weekend. Yes, we didn't really hit on Rich Hill, but we hit on Ashby, and we're hoping we'll hit on Quantrill tonight. I have a really good feeling about Quantrill, so go ahead and add him. Go ahead and read that article if you haven't yet. It's on sportsethos.com. It's also in my Twitter feed if you guys go into my feed and look for the article. It's maybe three or four tweets down the line there. So while if I still have you and you haven't done it yet, go hit the five-star button. That's what we really need out of you guys. For those of you who listen to the show every day, it's a really small way for you to help out. Well, it's a big way for you to help out, and it was it's a small, small portion of time. We're talking literally about 10 seconds. Just slide down to the bottom of the page, hit the five stars, and that's all you got to do. You don't have to write anything. Just hit the button really helps us out, really helps us to be seen by more people and grow. So thank you all for finding us. Uh, maybe you found me through Twitter, and if you haven't, I'll give you the thread, or the thread, I'll give you the handle one more time. It's at joeorico 99 so at J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. 
That is where you find my show links, my threads, different thoughts, other random things posted throughout the day. So go ahead, follow, subscribe, like, do all that good stuff, download, and we will see you again tomorrow. Everybody have a great day. Cheers. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.